If you weren't able to join us on Monday, November the 6th, you missed a fantastic day and a fantastic evening at our Stop the Insanity event at First Baptist North Spartanburg, talking with Chloe Cole about her story of transitioning and then detransitioning and what went into that. I know Mitch was, you were on stage having that conversation with her. Uh, your your thoughts on the day, on on the night, and and being able to sit down with Chloe multiple times uh, yeah. on Monday. Yeah, a blessing and a privilege. I, I just an honor to spend some time with her and um, hear more of her story and to hear her tell it, to see her reaction as. I and um, I asked her questions. Uh, just an incredible young lady, um, not only talented, not only thoughtful, but a warrior, uh, a, a lioness, if you will, for um, patients' rights for those who are detransitioning, um, which number in the thousands, and um, her heart. Her heart for these people and for those who are caught up in the the terrible trap of the transgenderism movement it, it, it it's gut wrenching to watch her she she had Justin we we talked there were several memorable quotes that she gave and and they're just so meaningful though. The one, and you, you'll have to help me with this because uh, I, I've botched it a couple times now. If transgenderism continues to, I'm using my word, proliferate, then um, humanity, humani- will humanity will cease to will exist. Cease to exist. Not as we know it. And I was waiting for the as we know it. And, no, and the, this exist. was during our leader lunch where we connected over 50 pastors, ministry leaders, and elected officials together. Um, which was a, a resounding success, and there was an audible gasp. Like I, I even, I even did that pause for effect, like I do sometimes on the podcast, where I look at the audience. Like, did you just hear that? Mm-hmm. Um, so significant. Um, her message to the transgenderism community: Here it is. You deserve better. You deserve better. In other words, you deserve to acknowledge, embrace, and accept who God made you to be. Because he didn't make a mistake when he created you who you are. That, yeah, that's, so, that's right. Man, so if you missed it and you so weren't there, if you weren't there on Monday night, we have a special treat for you on this special edition of the Palmetto Family Matters show. We are going to air in its entirety Mitch's conversation with Chloe. Um, and so uh, we will take you through that conversation and then that will be the end of our special edition of the show today. You will, if you're listening on on podcast, you will hear the applause. If you're watching, uh, you will see the standing ovation that Chloe got uh, when the conversation was over. So here it is, Mitch Prosser and Chloe Cole at our Stop the Insanity event on Monday. Please join me in welcoming to the stage Mitch Prosser, Interim President of Palmetto Family Council, and Chloe Cole, detransitioner and child safety advocate. I just have to say before we get started, if any of you want my cell phone and want me to text you words of encouragement, come see me afterwards and I'd be happy to give you my cell phone. It's great to see each and every one of you tonight. Won't you help me welcome to the stage one more time, Miss Chloe Cole.
Welcome to South Carolina. We're glad that you brought your California here. <laughs> thank you for having me here. And thank you all for coming tonight. So let's walk through who Chloe Cole is. Let's talk a little bit about your story and, and share with our friends here this evening what, what a warrior you are for this cause. Tell us a little bit about, more about who Chloe Cole is and uh, help us understand what's going on. So I am a detransitioner and a formerly trans-identified kid. I'm 19 years old now, and I'm from the Central Valley of California. Um, when I was about 12 years old, I started to feel as though I would be happier if I had just been born a boy. And this was after years of being diagnosed and medicated for ADHD, but having an undiagnosed case of autism. And undergoing an early puberty starting at roughly the age of eight or nine and concurrent body image issues. I, I felt like I would never really be pretty or feminine enough to make a good woman and that my interests just didn't really align with that of what I thought a woman's was supposed to be. And I really looked up to my older brothers and the men in my family and I felt like I didn't relate a whole lot to the girls around me or, or my mother or my sisters. And when I learned about the transgender community through online communities that were about my own personal interests, like video games and comics, I discovered there was a whole group of people that were quite like me. And it gave me an explanation as to why I felt so different from those women around me, and I clung to it, and I truly did believe that I was supposed to be a boy, and so just a month before my, thir my 13th birthday, I came out to my mom and dad through a letter, and while they wanted to be supportive of me, and they were, at least superficially, they weren't exactly sure where this was coming from, and they wanted to make sure that I was getting the help with it that I needed, because it was, it was something that they didn't really understand at the time. They got me a therapist, and they did not expect at all what was to happen next. They thought that care for me would mean that I would be helped through these feelings, that they would dive deeper into them, and I would be taught how to cope with it until I was at least legally an adult and had more agency over myself and my decisions around, around myself. But that didn't happen at all. They were told that there was no other option, that I knew what my identity was from a young age, and if I wasn't affirmed in my decision to follow it, I could be dead. They were essentially given the choice of either having a, a dead daughter or a living transgender son. And so at 13 and a half, just halfway through my, 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 my eighth grade year of middle school, I was put on the treatments, starting with Lupron as a puberty suppressant, and a month or two afterward, I was put on testosterone to replace the missing hormones. And at 15 was when I underwent the double mastectomy, and my breasts were surgically removed. It only took a year. It took less than a year, actually, for, for me to realize that this was all a mistake. And all it took was me learning 
about things like parenting and childhood psychological development in a class of mine. It woke me up. I had this epiphany that one day when I was an adult, which adulthood wasn't, wasn't too far out from then, I wanted to become a mother. I wanted to be a wife. And I wanted to naturally have children of my own through pregnancy, through giving birth. And I wished that I could breastfeed my kids. But now that was taken from me. While I was still a child, before I could even call myself a woman. And it was an incredibly decision, a difficult decision to make. But I detransitioned. And I lost a lot in doing so. I lost my friends at school. I lost my support from the transgender community and even from my doctors. And since then, I felt like it's my responsibility to use what happened to me and the pain that I went through for good and to prevent any other families and children and young men and women from going through what I did. Wow. Uh, you've, been, you've been all over the place. You're, I mean, you're all over the, the, I would say the planet, but at least America. Uh, you're all over uh, sharing this message, and we'll talk a little bit more about that message here in just a minute. I, I want to walk back to um, 13, 14, 15 years old. Um, help us with your mindset during that time. As you're hearing this from doctors, as doctors are telling you one thing, and there's now an online community, and maybe some even in your physical community, who are starting to support you, what are some of the feelings as a young, uh, as a young person you start to have as people start to affirm and support these choices that you're making? Sure. Well, I discovered the, the transgender community completely online. It was not something that was discussed all at all in school or really within my social circles at the time. But I just, I felt so drawn to it because it was full of kids and young adults who were just like me. People who didn't necessarily conform in any way. People who were artistic and thought outside of the box. And they were funny and they had interests quite like mine. Um... The overall community had this focus on exactly that, finding a community, finding a niche where you could be accepted and being able to express and discover yourself. And as somebody who dealt with a little bit of bullying, bullying, bullying growing up and didn't really feel like she had much of a community around her, it hit close to home. It was something that I had always wanted for myself. And though I wasn't really directly interacting with anybody until maybe about like a year into transitioning, it was something that I got really invested into. Now, when I started socially transitioning in real life, the response from the people at school was very different. They actually were pretty mean about it. It was basically just an opportunity for them to to pick on me because it was another thing that made me different from them. And because of that, it actually pushed me further into it. This, because none of these people were pushing back out of love. It was, it was very mean-spirited. But my mom and dad and, for the most part, my family, they were pretty supportive and they were fine with me 
expressing myself differently and even like using a different name. But mom and dad were very sensible about it. They, they didn't want me to really go under the, the more permanent physical procedures. And I found this kind of frustrating at the time because I thought that the only option that it had was transitioning because somehow I truly was a boy, that perhaps I even had the brain of a boy in a girl's body. And my mom and dad didn't really understand this idea for a very long time, and it wasn't until... It's not like they wanted me to go, to go through this. It wasn't until they were told that we didn't have any other choice that they signed off. So you talk, you talk about, and in some of our other conversations, you've talked about this funnel where it's the only message you're hearing. This is your only path forward. As that progresses and you start to make these decisions as a young person, what leads you uh, to the point where there's this revelation? Um, where, and, and if you look up the word or if you type in detransitioner in your phone, it still has red squiggly lines underneath of it. It's not a word. Uh, Chloe, Chloe's going to make it a word. Um, her and, and so many people that she's with, that they're going to make it a word. Tell us uh, what leads you to this point of decision where you say, I want to detransition back into who God made me to be. It wasn't until I was fairly far into the process after my breasts were gone that I really started to have second thoughts about it. And it wasn't an immediate thing either. It was a very slow burn. It started with realizing that I missed some things about being a girl. I missed some of the social intimacy of being able to confine the people around me and talk to them about my hardships in my day-to-day -day and not just expected to be tough all the time. I missed being able to have long hair and wear makeup and dresses and skirts without judgment. And it was very difficult for me to admit that it was wrong because I was so deep into it. I was probably about two, two and a half to three years on testosterone by this point. And the testosterone was very effective. I had a very deep voice, deeper than most of the boys my age, actually. And I looked just like any other 14, 15, 16-year-old boy. And it was just, I knew it would be humiliating to admit to everybody in my life that I was wrong about this major decision. And that it would be hard for my mom and dad, too. But... I, I really started to go into this downward spiral, and at first I thought it was just, well, maybe it's the, the post-op process. Maybe it's, that's just the natural course of healing, and I'll feel better. But I never really did until after I stopped, and that was when I realized that I had to in order to fully mature into an adult and live the adulthood that I wanted. So... Let's, let's get to the point now. You've, you've started this detransition process. By the way, uh, like, like we said, you've been everywhere. Uh, all, all cable news, almost all cable news networks. You've testified before the Congress. I love your heart as you've done all of this. And, and if you uh, 
aren't aware of Chloe's social media presence, we'll tell you how you can follow her in just a minute. It's a great follow. You've got to follow what she's doing, some great videos to, to show who you are and your heart for those around you. Once you start the detransitioning process back into who God made you to be uh, and embrace Genesis 127, God made male and female in his image, walk us through what happens from the transgender community. Do they embrace this decision? Do they support you? What happens? You know, I had a hunch that physically detransitioning was going to be very difficult for me that going off the hormones after years of being on it and my body struggling to recover from it was going to be pretty harsh. But I never really anticipated the reaction that would come out of the transgender community, especially because I thought that they saw me and that I saw them as something of a second family. But I was wrong. The moment that I stopped, the moment that I even talked about the regret, they all abandoned me. But they didn't just abandon me. They went out of the way to harass me and make me feel bad just for talking about it. I was told that I wasn't a victim. I had nobody but myself to blame that I was a teenager and not a toddler, and that I had agency over myself, that I was the one responsible for all this, even though they, they were the ones who cheered me on the most the further that I went into it. I was told that I was just making everybody uncomfortable, that I wasn't helping anybody by talking about it. I was being selfish, and I could harm the transgender community. Some even went as far as to say, well, you're never going to look like a girl. You're never going to look like a girl again. You looked better as a boy. I mean, how are you a girl without your breasts anymore? And for a while, I did shut up. I did stop talking about it because I was a 16-year-old girl. Nobody had ever said such cruel things to me in my life. And I didn't want to harm this community that I loved and I thought loved me. But I soon learned that there is a massive community of people out there just like me. Speaking of the hatred and vitriol from uh, the other side of this argument, for those of you that aren't aware of this, there were those that tried to oppose this event happening because of her. Uh, if you're not familiar, uh, about a month ago, we were hosting this event on a ticket platform, um, and I'm going to shoot straight with you, Eventbrite. Eventbrite sent us a nice, neat little letter that said that this event, because of her story, was hateful, violent, and I've always wanted to be known as dangerous. Hateful, violent, and dangerous. Have you heard the first thing that was hateful, violent, or dangerous? Now, I'd put her in a ring with any prize fighter for the warrior that she is. But this is a heart of compassion. They wanted us to shut this down. We weren't backing down. We were going to double down. This is an event. Why? Why would Palmer? Because we want, no, we don't want 
Palmetto Fit. We want this story to be told. You need to know this story. Here's what you need to know, and I want you to walk through this for us. Talk about your message to the other, to the other side of the argument. This, you're going to find this profound. Tell us your heart for those who are still struggling with transgenderism. I think they deserve better. And that's why I fight. I don't hate these people. I don't think anybody in this room hates them. I think we all want better for them. Because we see the truth. The problem isn't with their bodies. It's with the way that they feel about it. These people are being convinced by everybody around them. They're not getting, they're not getting help from anybody around them because they're being allowed to believe that their bodies are wrong. The way that they were born was incorrect and that in order to feel okay on the inside, they need to change what's on the outside. But that's not right. They need more than that. One of the, and if you got our emails and you saw the video of her addressing the parent uh, in that committee hearing uh, before uh, the House of Representatives on Capitol Hill, a powerful representation of the heart not only of a warrior, but the tender heart of a young lady who cares about people. I've talked with her uh, this afternoon about caring for people and human rights. And I'm just so impacted by you and your story. Let me ask you this. As, as we, I, I, we could talk to her all night. I, I wish we could. Um, tell us what... I know that this is an arduous process for you. It's difficult. And, and as we talked with students in this very room today, high schoolers, about a message of hope and a message of healing... As you continue to share this message of hope and you yourself continue to heal through this, tell your friends and allies in this room tonight, how can we support you, your message? How can we pray for you? I think the most important thing to do is to keep spreading the message, to keep spreading word of testimonies like mine and the thousands of other people who have been through this. Because it is something that's happening all over the states, all over the West, all over the world. You might think, well, she's from California. Surely this is just a West Coast issue or something, right? No. This is something that is in all of our communities, in every single state, in every single city. It's affecting the families around us and the, the institutions that we thought we could trust, are now infected with this ideology. And we need to speak up. If I can do it at 19, anybody can. That's right. We, we want to pray for you, and we want to lift you up before uh, God this evening. And um, I, I love the way you said this in an earlier meeting, not, not just to pray for you, but to pray for those on the other side who are struggling with this.
Uh, I'm just so grateful for you, your heart, and, and giving us your time this evening. Do you mind, before um, we, we thank you one more time, if we have a word of prayer over you this evening? Won't you join me in having a word of prayer for Chloe? Father God, we are so grateful that you make no mistakes, that you created Chloe, you created every person in this room, you created every person who is struggling with their identity and purpose, and you created them in your image. And we are so grateful that not only did you create us that way and made no mistake when you did so, but that you sent your son Jesus to show us the perfect picture of sacrificial love. A champion who would fight tooth and nail, blood, sweat, and tears, and give your life so that we may know you intimately. God, I pray for Chloe, her team on this journey that she's on to share a message of hope and healing. I pray for her as she goes from place to place. I pray that you would give her safety, that you would give her favor, that you would bless her, that you would continue to give her the healing that she needs, not only for her body, but for her mind and her heart and her soul. God, may you smile on her with those God winks of people who come alongside of her, who support her, who share her story and smile at her, say we're praying for you and genuinely mean it because we love her. God, and for our friends right now, those who have protested this event, those who have struggled with their own purpose, identity, and meaning. God, may your Holy Spirit prick their hearts in a way that they know that you love them. And as Chloe said, you have better for them. God, we love you. Not because you first loved, not because of anything that we've done, but because you first loved us. God, thank you for bringing Chloe to the Palmetto State. Thank you for her message. A God-inspired, God-divinely appointed message of hope and healing. Thank you. Thank you, God, for being the great physician, not just for our bodies, but the healer of our hearts. We pray this in the matchless name, above every name, Jesus. Amen. And amen. Thank you, Chloe. Won't you help me thank Chloe Cole one more time this evening. Wow. Thank you so much, Chloe.